0: And we are live back with another episode of Shifting Narrative on Everything Autism. I'm Torin Kearns. And as usual, I'm joined by the Autism Sage herself, Mama Baden. How are you?
1: I am good. Uh, sun is shining. So that's always a good, good thing for me because I love the sunshine. And today I did something new. I actually frolicked in fall leaves. I've never done that before. <laughs> and I, I have to say that I, I don't. I don't think I will probably ever do it again, but I can say that (laughs) I frolicked in the fall leaves um, at once in my life. So, but um, I'm super excited because we have a guest today, Torin. Um, We have uh, someone um, that I have been sort of not technically stalking, just haphazardly coming across their comments um, within some of the Facebook groups that I participate in. And um, this is a parent um, named Shuba and I'm so excited that you are here. So I'm gonna let you do a little bit of intro about yourself because I think there's lots of layers to Mm -hmm. um, um, what we want to talk about is from my perspective as to why I'm excited that you're here. So I'm going to let you take a little bit of time to tell our listeners about you.
2: Cool. Thanks, Stacey and Torrance, for having me on here. I'm really excited. Um, my name's Shuba. Like you said, I am a I'm a parent, I'm like I have many different identities, but in this context, I'm a parent mm-hmm. to a a wonderful three-year-old um boy. Uh, and he is autistic. We have known since he was about um 18 months. That was when we first um had a diagnosis, which I can tell more about. Um and he's a gestalt processor for Mm -hmm. some of your listeners are familiar with it he's non-speaking or minimally speaking i feel Mm -hmm. like every day it's sort of changing it is but he (laughs) oh it's yeah every day it's changing but you know he's fairly close to non-speaking and we have an aac device for him as well so i can share more about that um and I'm wondering, let's see, the other, I think, relevant thing is Stacy and I met in one of the Facebook groups for black parents of autistic mm-hmm. kids. But I think it's worth mentioning that I'm actually not black. I'm Indian, but my son is black. So we also have a lot of um, we're a tri-racial family because mm-hmm. my partner is also white. So there is some intersection of race in our family in addition to Um, our son being autistic and then I guess the last thing to mention is that we live in New York City we live in Brooklyn which we were just talking about Mm -hmm. so you know for uh, better for worse when it comes to systems (laughs) and dealing with systems we're dealing with the New York City system so that's what we're up against often
1: and I have to say um, to all the listeners the reason that I really wanted to to have you on to sort of have um, our informal discussions um, is because of all of the things that you just mentioned and your child is only three. It is very <laughs> rare for me to see a parent that has been become empowered so quickly um, that has been open to an AAC device for a three-year-old. Typically the therapists are not on board with it. So the parents don't know that they can push for it. Um, so, um, you know, it's one of the reasons that I wanted to, to have you on because I don't think parents know they can do that. Um, so Mm -hmm. early they don't have to wait. Right. Um, so I would like to, to sort of, I'd like to know, um, what was that fire that ignited sort of the learning and becoming knowledgeable and getting an AAC device in place and, and we'll get to your, um, uh, advocating for inclusion, um, story, um, uh, later, but I would just love to know because, um, I want to bottle it up and, 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 and hand <laughs> it out when they get a diagnosis. So, so tell me a little bit about that journey, um, and what that was like.
2: Yeah. I, you know, I've thought about this a lot, like what, let me, I'll back up a little bit to maybe a few sentences on my background because I think it's relevant and then when we got his diagnosis so in my day job or I don't know the rest of my life but the pre-parent life which is not that long ago I guess uh, I do a lot of social justice work my day job is for a movement organization called Media Justice um, that fights for the use of technology and media to empower black and brown um Americans so a lot of my life and then and as well I was doing a lot of immigration work um, and by immigration work I mean anti-system immigration work so a lot of immigration advocacy a lot of activism um as well as helping people actually get um asylum so I think I I came into parenting with a real justice lens and what does it look like to empower um people who have been disempowered by the system, often black folks, brown folks. Um, and disability was like in my radar, but to be honest, I'm embarrassed to say it was not where it should have been, right? It, it should have been part of the forefront of how I looked at justice work, but it was there. And when COVID hit, actually, I think about this a lot, how interesting fate is, whatever we want to call fate. Uh, so my son was six months old when COVID hit. And you know that, you know that beginning, well, actually, I guess with every parent, it's different. Beginning of COVID, you're like, cool, I have so much free time. (laughs) Six-month-old was really easy. I was like, great, he just sits there all the time, like life is going to be easy. Um, Traumatizing because it was New York, but I was just stuck in an apartment with a a immobile baby. Um, And I, for some reason at that point, had really thought about how important disability justice was to um, not even related to my son. It was totally unrelated. I just had this really strong sense that what was going on with COVID and the impact that it was having, especially on us New Yorkers, there was this need that I had to learn a lot more from this from the wisdom of disabled people of color. Like I was like, they have already been tackling these hard problems. I need to learn from them. So I don't know what fate there was there. But mm-hmm. I think there was a very strong fate, because a year later, um, then my son got diagnosed with autism. I didn't know anything about autism. I had all the stereotypes when we got the diagnosis from the horrible evaluator, who was very horrible, um, <laughs> our initial response was no. You know, like we were, we did not have a positive view of autism. We were like, no, she doesn't know him, mm-hmm. whatever. But um, I think because of the sort of justice framework and the work I had been doing, um, I, we very quickly went into research mode and the very first research mode question we had is who are autistic people out there speaking mm-hmm. about autism? You know, that was like the real obvious first question we had. Mm-hmm. We were like, wait, we don't know what autism is. What are autistic people saying autism is? is? And so that really quickly led us to a lot of these really great organizations led by autistic folks who, um, we're able to share a lot of messages so i think we were really lucky in that i would say within a week of the diagnosis we already knew about the medical model Mm -hmm. versus you know we were still learning the terms but Mm -hmm. like what it means to affirm autistic people we learned that autistic people are saying things we specifically looked for voices of black autistic folks Mm -hmm. since our son is black we were already like he's only one and a half but there's got to be people out -hmm. there that are going to be his mentors one day we need to know, you know, what they have to say. Mm-hmm. So uh, that that's sort of the background there. And then I and the last thing I'll just mention, Stacy, because you and I before were talking about doctors, is we were very lucky actually that his doctor. We didn't know her very well. She's a black woman, lives locally, and um, she didn't know anything about autism. But what was great is she didn't try to. She didn't pretend gotcha. to. Perfect. <laughs> like, and it was really helpful <laughs> having her say, "I don't really know." Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, and so she's been really supportive. And in fact, she follows my blog and she's, in fact, been teaching other parents what I've now been teaching her. So very helpful there, but Um, So anyway, so I guess that sort of brings us to we very quickly were able to to realize that what a lot of the development pediatrician we saw, you know, different folks like that, what they were saying didn't make any sense because we Mm -hmm. were like, but we've read all this stuff by autistic people Uh and they're saying something totally different than what you're saying. (laughs) Um, So, you know, and I think maybe we have a, a good distrust of the medical system and COVID has really made us distrustful <laughs> of people. So maybe that really helped us as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the AAC. So then the last thing I'll mention is that uh, I don't, I think it might've been, you know, other parents mm-hmm. sort of blogging about it. Of course there are adults using AAC, but I think it was the parents message because our son was only two. We started him on the AAC before he was even two years old. Mm-hmm. So I think it was actually critical for us to know there are other parents who have started their kids on AAC before mm-hmm. they were two. We didn't have, we had a bad experience with a first speech therapist who we fired. And then we had a second speech therapist who was good, but didn't have any experience, you know, mm-hmm. so in this area. So well, meaning. And so she was at least supportive. She was like, mm-hmm. go you. Um, we did, of course, you know, we had to get it on our own and not every parent can do that. Mm-hmm. So we did figure out how to get, um, like an iPad with credit card points and then Mm -hmm. get the app when it was on sale in April, you know, we did Mm -hmm. all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And we were just like, let's do it. And I think our attitude then and now is that um, why not expose your kid to 20 different ways to communicate if Mm -hmm. possible Um, and both for their sake, but we also hope that it will contribute to him being less ableist as he grows up, you know, even if he doesn't use the AAC, we hope that he will be friends with AAC users Mm -hmm. and, you know, and see Mm -hmm. it as, as like a great, uh, tool, so we were like, "Hey, like, let's just normalize this for everybody in our house." the seat is great. There it
1: is, and I think we can stop the podcast right now. Everything's been said. <laughs> all
0: done. Actually, you said so much stuff that I know. i know i You touched on so many <laughs> topics. I'm trying to like sort them all through to stuff I, I, I want to bring up. The first thing is you mentioned early on that you had a bad evaluator. Um, would you mind going into that and like how they were bad? Because I think a lot of people have the same experiences. In fact, on this podcast, I refer to the medical professionals as the alphabet people because they're people that have a whole can of alphabet soup after their name, like LT, lowercase E, like SCSC, WTF, stuff like that. And they don't know; they don't have a clue what they're talking about. So, could you go into what made the evaluator bad and what's the difference between that evaluator and the, experience in, and the experiences you're having with your current doctor?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we were in the EI program. Is that, a, is that an acronym mm. that everyone knows or is it just New York? Okay. I don't. So we, I, I oh, we EI. were in... Okay, perfect. It was early intervention, mm-hmm. which is for kids under the age of three. And they get like... I, I think therapies. I was
0: in something like that, but I'm like 30. So like back then, everything was sort of <laughs> different
2: different uh-huh. that's true right plus i don't remember anything from before when i was I, you three, might
0: but, be our first and... guest that's based in, in new york city like i am like mm-hmm. i'm always talking about
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um yeah so it's the it's the program provided by the city and i guess different cities where it's free services for kids under three so good good program not gonna knock it but just like many things in new york The implementation can be not so great, um, but good that there's free things. So we had an evaluator um, come over through that. We were we had no we were not thinking of autism. Um, Our son was already getting PT because he was delayed in rolling and walking and like crawling. So part. So I don't know, every six months they were just like, oh, you like recheck in and you get an evaluation. So we were like, okay. I mean, the first thing that sucked was just that it was like peak COVID. Again, you get what New York was like peak COVID. Like Yeah, it, it was it was like, like a horror movie. For those
0: that don't know, it was like Times Square yeah. was empty. Like all the stuff we saw on like TV, that was happening. Yeah. It, it, it was it, yeah. it was surreal. Mm-hmm. It
2: was totally surreal. We decided to do this one evaluation in person, because we were like, this feels really important. And then she came over like without a mask on, or she, oh I don't know, she sort of wore a mask. She pulled it down. Yeah. And oh. then she told us that she wasn't a germaphobe. And we were like, oh, my God, why are you in our house? Anyway, so that already we but so we were I don't remember. We were just getting a really bad vibe from her. And so we were very standoffish. And so we we thought like, well, our son was probably picking up on our vibe. And so that's probably why he was really standoffish. But, you know, so she went through all the things. I guess it was 45 minutes uh, where she would be like, you know, play, like, does he play with bubbles? And then he didn't, um, and something, I don't, so I clearly, I don't even remember it, but, um, but at the end of it, um, oh, and also he hadn't seen any adults, right? He had been indoors for whatever, a year, yeah, with us because of COVID. Mm -hmm. So we were, and again, we, I regret this now, but at the time, we did not know about autism, right? So we were coming up with excuses. Well, this is why he wasn't engaging. It was because of COVID or whatever. Um, But at the end of it, she just sort of, she, I remember this so clearly. She goes to us, oh, yeah, your son's autistic. Um, So do you have any plans for the rest of the day? Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. No, she did not. She did. And we were like, What? Like, and again, remember, we weren't even thinking of autism. We were just like, oh, this is just a standard evaluation every six months. It maybe it would have been different if we had been requesting an Mm -hmm. evaluation for Mm -hmm. autism. But we didn't even get handed like a pamphlet. Like she was just like, Do you have plans for the rest of the day? We were like, please leave our apartment now. Like (laughs) um, and that's it. And then we were just on our own, you know, and that's when we called our pediatrician just because we were like, What just happened? Like Mm what is this, what is autism? Do we believe this horrible woman that didn't wear a mask? Like what, <laughs> like what do we do? That that gets you
0: um, off to then, such a bad start in the middle of COVID.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly, yeah. So um. So yeah, that, that was sort of our experience with her. And then, you know, like I said, our current doctor, it's not that she knew about autism, but in retrospect, after we then spoke to a few more experts and, you know, we spoke to autistic people, et cetera, I really just appreciated her willingness to not pretend she knew mm-hmm. stuff.
0: Wait, a doctor admitted they know from. something? Yeah. I'm sorry, a doctor yeah. admitted Are they you know that? something? Yeah. That doesn't happen very often.
2: Yeah. It doesn't happen I know, often. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so for her to just say, like... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't like, um, you know, and I mean, she did say you should speak to a behavioral pediatrician, which we did. And then the behavioral pediatrician sucked or whatever the word, I forgot what the word is, but I think it's a behavioral pediatrician, but um, she was just really. And so our doctor has just been now really open to learning from us. In fact, which mm-hmm. has been incredible and, and amazing for all of us. Yeah. Um, I've actually had yeah.
1: a, a, an opportunity to work with two other doctors that did that. And I will mm. say, now that I think about it, both of those doctors were black women. They were willing to admit yeah. and they said, you, <laughs> you know, know, I don't really know a lot about autism, but I know Stacy knows what autism is. So talk to her. And then they're like, Stacey, can I learn from you? I'm like, sure. And then they just kept going with, yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that I really want to bring the listeners um, or should I say point out to the listeners is I loved that you said We went to autistic people to find out what they had to say about autism. And Torrin, you know, knows the story where I say for, you know, whatever reason, you know, uh, my saving grace is my first books 22 years ago before Amazon and Google um, were written by autistic individuals. I mean, I had to search and and find on AOL.com those books, however, (laughs) um, That was my introduction. And so my introduction was not the medical approach to what autism is. And I think that was a benefit for me looking at it from a different Mm -hmm. perspective um, from the very beginning. And so I love that you as a parent Um, decided we're going to actively see what the actual autistic people have to say about autism. But, you know, one of the things I will, you know, I work with a lot of families and this is why I wanted, you know, you to come on because parents can learn from you. Parents don't even know that's possible, right? Like Mm -hmm. they don't even know that's possible. Um, And so I think that just knowing that autistic people are out there writing books, doing blogs, doing videos. A lot of parents do not even know that when they get a diagnosis, they, Mm -hmm. you know, I talk to families all the time and they'll say, oh, I didn't know autistic people worked. I'm like, well, of course, autistic people Mm -hmm. like they, they, they're still under that whatever myth or, you know, old school,
0: they know autistic people work.
1: They didn't even know that there's there's
0: always like, there's always like some like feel good, like human interest story on CNN of some like autistic person. Who's like a greeter,
1: (laughs) but you know what? There are so many people I've realized, especially people with, you know, young children and work along hours. They never, I mean, there's so many people that don't watch TV. Like they don't even get to watch Like they don't even get on social media, but Mm -hmm. a lot of people do not know that autistic individuals Are human beings that thrive right they just don't know Mm. because they've never they didn't know what autism was they've never met an autistic person they've never had to meet an autistic person and so i appreciate that you all had the instinct to say oh let's learn from actual autistic folks Mm -hmm. um, and find out what they have to say um, because i think there is definitely benefit of that of course Um, yeah
0: that's that that's actually amazing like stacy is sort of downplaying it but it is unfortunately so rare when mm-hmm. people learning about autism think to themselves, let me hear from autistic individuals. It shouldn't be rare. It, mm-hmm. should, be, it should be like common mm-hmm. sense. Yes. But yes. for whatever reason, they just don't because the first thing to think of autism is like negative. So they're like, okay, autistic mm-hmm. individuals can't speak for themselves. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. there are people in the autism community who are a bit radical, as we say. They're not parents. They, they don't know how to... How to get their message across that the average normie is going to get it, and they end up turning people off. So it's rare when you get someone who's willing to sort of wave through the bullshit a little bit and get the good information, because there are tons of autistic people who are putting good stuff out there trying Mm -hmm. to help parents. Tons of autistic parents. There's tons of them. I was Mm -hmm. even shocked. Mm -hmm. When I started working with Stacey, I didn't know... Obviously, I knew autistic people had kids, but I didn't know like there were so many autistic advocates who were parents themselves. So there's mm-hmm. so much good information. I think it's just so awesome that that's where you went to. Because that's such a great place to start. I'm not saying don't listen to professionals, you should, but mm-hmm. if you're trying to learn about autism, okay. there should always be a base of listening to autistic individuals, autistic individuals who are parents, autistic individuals who are doctors, because they all exist too, and they're yeah. out there. Mm-hmm. So I, I just think that's so great. But Stacy, I'm sure you have another question because you always do.
1: Well, you know, of course, every time you post, like when I initially saw your post, I'm just like lighting up. Right? I'm just like, oh my gosh, who is this parent? I like, <laughs> I just because I am just. Um, and this is not, this is not, I mean, my listeners who are, are, who know me and new listeners who maybe this is your first episode, you know, I, I do not. Um, judge parents, because I know everyone's Mm -hmm. coming from a different place, a different perspective, a different support system. You know, you're coming from a background of social justice. So that was the drive. And that's why I wanted Mm -hmm. to know, because we all come from different experiences. And one of the things um, that I would like to sort of um, have a short discussion about, um, because maybe we can have a a bring you back on again, um, in terms of I work with a lot of families um, from different cultural backgrounds, and I work Mm -hmm. with a lot of wonderful families that are Southeast Asian, um, and there is a cultural dynamic there that is very strong (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, in terms of expectations, in terms of conformity, in terms of, you know, even what job, you know, before the child's born, it's already determined they're going to be a doctor or an engineer um, and who they're going to marry. And so a lot of expectations and a lot of pressures from family members. And, um, so I'd like to know in terms of your experience, I know your kiddos really little, but in terms Mm -hmm. of your experience, um, with your family, because a lot of my, my parents struggle with even sharing the diagnosis because there's so much shame and so much isolation Mm -hmm. from family, um, and then even not knowing that autistic individuals can, right, they're already feeling defeated Mm -hmm. and embarrassed as a parent that their child's not going to meet the cultural expectation that has been set Mm -hmm. from thousands of years ago before we had other options. (laughs) But Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I understand that tradition and culture is important. However, it doesn't always work for a child that needs to stem or communicate differently. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, have you had any experiences based on just sharing with family the diagnosis? Um, you know, cause a lot of parents that support along with therapists and doctors getting family support is a struggle as well.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, I'm like, I'm like, wait, maybe my parents should come on the next episode with me. But, um, and they could uh, hopefully they'll listen to this as well. I think in our case, it's been really great. Um, I think, well, so I think the first thing is that I think I've bucked enough of the traditional trends already that by this point, like, <laughs> I don't, you know, um, so, um, I, I like, we already, um, I already adopted, which already was sort of against Mm -hmm. cultural trends. I don't know. I probably Mm -hmm. married much later than Mm -hmm. I'm sure that my parents would have liked. (laughs) They're probably like, what? (laughs) No. But I think I'm the I'm the outlier already is probably the most polite way to say it in my in my family. So at this point, they probably just, you know, accept whatever is um, coming. Mm -hmm. And. And I I would be interested in if other people had this experience, but both my parents and my partner's parents have been so supportive, and I think maybe being a grandparent is a mm-hmm. totally different identity that one mm-hmm. holds. So that's why I'm like I'd love for their perspective on this if they came on. Um, but what we did do with both my parents and my partner's parents, my partner's parents are uh, white and Jewish, but also you know, have at least for as parents, I think had, um, you know, I think like a an important, uh, let me say an importance of education an importance okay. in formal education and importance mm-hmm. in formal work. Um, so as my partner and I were learning a lot and we still are, and we would read articles and read books and find different things. I would pass on to my parents anything that I felt would be um, helpful for them. And so the very first thing I shared with them, which I tell any other parent uh, to to share this with their grandparents, is the um, A-S-A-N, um, the A-S-A-N, Autistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. OK, yes. I don't know what I can't remember. I think the called. Autistic they Advocacy a- Network, you mean? Yes, thank you. Yes, the Autistic Mm -hmm. Advocacy Network has a guide called Start Here, Mm -hmm. and it's very readable. I think it's like thirty pages, but not very dense. Mm -hmm. And it's very much like its audience is someone who is never, who has basically gotten a diagnosis from a Mm -hmm. doctor, and like it's not shaming at all. Like it, it does say you know no ABA, but it doesn't say it in a way of like you're wrong if you do ABA. Instead, it's like. Here is some people's opinion about mm-hmm. ABA. You might want to consider not doing ABA. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very nicely written. And so I that was, I think, one of the very first things I shared with my parents. Mm-hmm. Um, but since then, I, you know, I'll give them maybe a book recommendation here and there. I've given mm-hmm. them a webinar here and there. I'm going to give them this podcast. They're retired, so they have time mm-hmm. to read all <laughs> of these really great things. There you go. Um, yeah. And same with my partner's parents and, um, and yeah, I'll, I'll probably leave it at that. So they're open. Like, it's not like they're necessarily mm-hmm. using the, the all the neurodiversity affirming language, yeah. but when we've gone and visited them, uh, yeah, they're just very, very actually embracing that this mm-hmm. is who he is. And, right. um, yeah, so, so that's, um, been really good. But yeah, it would be interesting to hear their perspective as well, I guess. And on
1: I, I will say to the listeners, and I don't even know if you are aware of this, Shua, but mm-hmm. I tell parents all the time, the way you walk into a room and the way you feel about your child and the way you accept your child is the way everyone else will as well, because they don't have any other choice. If they're going to be with you, they're going to follow you. Mm -hmm. And so listening to you talk about your child, just from the very beginning of your introduction, you know, this is a child that you love and you embrace and you accept for who he is and whatever supports he needs. You're going to, um, you know, work very hard to, to get those in place. And I think that when it's like anything else, what's the old saying about um, if you love yourself The way you love yourself is the way people will love you, how you, you know, how you treat Mm -hmm. and that, that whole, what you give out or whatever is what you get back. Um, and I say that, um, in terms of, I like to share stories and Mm -hmm. there was a family that I worked with that was really struggling with the diagnosis, um, for several reasons. And they, they, they finally got enough comfort and education to say, okay, this is it. This is what we need to do. Um, but lots and lots of family pushback. And mm-hmm. I remember the day when the mom came to me and she said, oh my gosh, the grandmother, the grandmother, the grandmother, she actually, you know, used her pecs. Like she used her, or not her pecs, her, um, her um, she was using like pictures, just like a choice board. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so um, I said, oh my gosh, that's exciting. And I said, well, what yes. do you think like made that change? And she said, I don't know. I don't know. And I said, it's because you changed. You changed Mm. your perspective and the way you saw your child and everybody who wanted to be involved in your life had no other option, but to change, or they knew they were not going to be able to follow along with you and you Mm -hmm. didn't have to tell them that. And so I learned something from that, you know, experience in terms of, even though I knew that whole, you know, how you walk or whatever it is and feel about yourself, people are going to follow, but I wanted your story and I wanted the listeners to think about, it really does make a difference how you as a parent walk Mm. in and thinking about your child and how you feel about your child and genuinely feel about your child. And some of (laughs) us need a little bit more work, um, you know, on ourselves than others. And that's just Mm -hmm. the nature of the beast. Um, But it does make a difference. Um, It does make a difference. It really does make a difference. So I'm glad that you had this wonderful experience Um, and I'm excited that you did that. So what I want to know is I'm going to try to see there's, I don't know if there's a smooth way to segue, but I want you to talk about your blog. It's like, like, a, like a fun name and, and what you are trying mm-hmm. to accomplish with the blog, because I want listeners to, to read it. Um, So tell us about it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I would love to. Um, And then, yeah, yes, I would love to. <laughs> I also do want to share at some point, mm-hmm. like where I have a lot of doubts too. Cause I would Perfect. like, I'm like some of what you said, I'm like, there are some things that are really hard mm-hmm. for me still that I need to work on. But so um, I, after some thinking about it, you mm-hmm. know, I, cause I didn't want to share, I didn't want to, sh- I wanted to be careful about sharing my son's story. Cause mm-hmm. it's his story. Mm-hmm. And you know, he's the one who's going to have a story when he's older. That, but that's I profound. Like yourself-
0: I'm sorry for cutting you off, but that is profound. Oh, okay. That idea that you, so you have to you you had a second thought about sharing your son's story because it's his story. A lot of parents, whether they mean to or not, will just be like, Well, it's my story because I'm the parent. So I'll put videos of my right. son melting down with a caption of this is what autism looks like, for example. Right, right. And they, they won't think that like maybe when they get older, they may not want to see this. So I'm sorry for yeah. cutting you off, but once yeah. again, that's another like just profound statement that shouldn't be a profound <laughs> statement, but unfortunately it is. And it can be an example, a lot of parents can take. I'm sorry, you can continue, but that's awesome. No,
2: thank you. And I think, you know, it's funny because this and something else that you talked about makes me think about how much work we already had to do as adoptive parents. Mm-hmm. So I think, um, I'm sorry to circle back, Stacey, but, no, like, nice. um, oh. you know, Okay, great. Uh, You know, one of the things when you said about seeking autistic voices, I was thinking to myself, as non-Black parents to a Black child, Mm -hmm. we already knew Mm -hmm. that we were not going to be able to be his all and Mm -hmm. that it was going to be very important to us to seek out Black communities and Mm -hmm. Black voices. So I think that made it really easy to be like oh, now he's also autistic. Mm-hmm. Well, we better seek out autistic voices. Like, I think we already had to do that work of recognizing we're never going to be able to meet um, meet um, all of who he is mm-hmm. as a Black person. You know, so that was already something we knew. Um, and then similarly here, we had gone through trainings and reading stuff, uh, again, before we knew who was autistic, mm-hmm. about the importance of um uh, of an autistic or sorry, an adopted child owning their own story. Mm-hmm. And it's hard for me because I like to speak to everyone about everything all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm not really into, into privacy. And so I've had to already do a lot around like what does privacy look like for him mm-hmm. in terms of his ability to share his story? Um, which, you know, I won't share anything about because it's his story. So I think similarly, it was like, oh, I had already had to do that work. So then what does it look like in terms of where are we uh, creating boundaries of sharing his story? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, um, Stacy, as you, you know, created this podcast, too. And maybe here's also where my moments of like where I'm fa- or not feeling the difficult moments are. Is that I would say ninety nine percent of the voices around me are telling me that I'm doing things wrong. whether it's mm-hmm. people on the street, whether it's medical officials, whether it's other parents. I'm in um, some really like great in some ways, like local parent groups for parents of disabled kids, really informative. But often when I'm asking a question about something that I want to do, I, like 99% of the responses are just like, why would you do that? Like we, we did ABA and it's great. And I'm like, that's fine. Fa- I'm not criticizing you. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying like, here's the choice I want to make. So I would say yeah. at least once a week I, I have a lot of self doubt mm-hmm. because I feel very alone in our choices. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, are we just completely screwing everything up? Mm-hmm. And what's been helpful to me are the few parents out there um, <clears throat> the The autistic voices are really important, but I do think when you're a parent to a child this young, it's the other parent voices are really important, too, because like, I mean, I, I don't know what parent decisions were made when I was two years old, mm-hmm. how they like, you know, I can't really tell you what my two year old. Or three-year-old life was like and Mm -hmm. what contributed to my success now (laughs) so there is some like part of it where it's like i yes the autistic adults i also want to know the Mm -hmm. practical
0: things that other parents are
2: doing yeah and so that's really really helped me when i've connected with people around the world that are making the same choices as Mm me so i decided uh and and in terms of his privacy i don't include Mm -hmm. his name i don't include a picture Mm -hmm. of his face anywhere um and the driving thing that i ask myself every time i make a blog post which torin i would love to hear if like if if this is something you would appreciate too is i always say to myself would he be proud in 15 years from now mm-hmm. of this post mm-hmm. like in 15 years from now would he look back on this post and say mm-hmm it makes me proud that you that my story was able to help another kid or would he be like why the hell did you just say this thing about me (laughs) like like why did you put this like you're just Mm. bragging you know so that is what i try to keep saying to myself Mm -hmm. is is this a post that he would be proud of so the name of the blog is the north I, why did I just forget that? I literally forgot the name of my own blog. I'm going
1: to, I'm going to pause and let your brain process so that you can have the name come to you. And I'm going to share with you that the fact as a mom of two boys who are grown up now, (laughs) um, (laughs) out of the three of us, I can tell you from my perspective, not only as a mom, but as someone who works with a lot of children over the years, the fact that you are thinking about what your child would think and how it would impact his life, I already know that he would be proud because if you're thinking about him first, then we already know the content is going to be good for him, right? Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. Because when the fact that you're thinking about him, right? Because a lot of people don't think about that. Very self, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm not saying, and, you know, Torrin, you know, I go in these uh, stances on, I understand it's hard parenting. I get it, but yeah. The child is also a separate human being, and I think that people forget yeah. that. Um, so, yeah, haven't cried in a while on the podcast. I guess it was time. that's like
0: only the second time that's happened. And when I we started know. this podcast, because Stacey is,
1: I cried. She's all the time. great
0: at expressing her emotions. Yeah. And when we started this podcast, I was like, "That's gonna, be, this is gonna be happening like every episode, like once an episode." And, and we're, we're like forty episodes in. It's happened twice. So I don't know how the hell we've avoided that. But I don't know how the hell it hasn't happened. Maybe we're not good doing a good enough job of getting into the deep discussions. I don't know. But I, I just think I think that's awesome. And don't worry, all the links and stuff are going to be in the description for anybody who wants to check it out. We'll make sure of that. But I kind of have a uh, two-headed question that's on this topic. And you mentioned how mm-hmm. your son has multiple identities. So he's black, he's adopted, he's autistic. Mm-hmm. And maybe you're not worrying about this because he's so young at this point. But my first mm-hmm. Part of my question is around concerns. Are there any concerns you have about him and being able to, for lack of a better word, come to grips with all of his identities? I asked this because as a someone who's autistic and grew up and I'm black, obviously. And but mm-hmm. I'm also biracial. And I was raised by my dad and my aunt who are white. So it was kind Ooh. of a trippy journey over the last 10 <laughs> years, coming to grips with all these identities of being raised by white people and but still like identifying as a black man and really connecting my black self and also connecting my autistic self and being and like molding that all together so my first part is do you have any concerns that that could be an issue or any plans on how to incorporate all those identities and stuff like that
2: mm-hmm. oh my god we just got these so fast Satoru. first of all I feel so grateful I've connected with you. (laughs) Yes, that I mean, that was already a concern before we knew that he was autistic. Um, This also now that actually this goes to the name of the blog as well. Um, So um, uh, I'll summarize by saying, yes, that's a concern. We heard I'm friends with some adult adoptees who are transracial adoptees as well. And maybe the best advice that I've gotten from them is we're not going to be able to change that, like where that is going to be the a reality. And Torrin, you can tell me more about this than I know, you know, myself, but that's going to be a reality. And the best thing that we can do is to accept and make space for that reality and not try to pretend that we can, you know, give him that sense of identity if he's if he's gonna have you know what whatever sort of comes out I guess and and a knowledge I'm never gonna know what that feels like um for me you know I have different identities as well but there are some unique aspects that you just hit on Torin as well it's doubly this is like a whole this could be a whole other episode my biggest fear too is that There are a lot of things we thought we would be able to put in place for him around his Black identity and his adopted identity, that because he's autistic, and Stacy knows this part really well, we've had to make really hard choices, where now, unfortunately... He is basically in an almost entirely white school Mm -hmm. because that school was the only school that we could find that was going to be able to accept him Mm -hmm. as an autistic person. And the group that, um, the Black Parents group has been really, really helpful for helping me prioritize. Like he can't be in another space that isn't going to meet Mm -hmm. his very, uh, he has very high support needs at the Mm -hmm. moment. So we can't just throw him in another place Mm -hmm that isn't going to meet his very high support needs Mm -hmm. so this is a really big struggle for us i'm already thinking too which is why i'm like one day i'm going to reach out to you i'm already thinking forward to like okay we can't take him to black church at the moment we and i don't know if we ever will be able to given his um support needs we can't take him to we live in a black neighborhood which you know Torin, but we can't um go to the dance classes and all of the different things that we were going to do because he can't be in an indoor space at the moment with a lot of people he can't follow instruction that that was me that
0: was me as a kid too I had I'm I'm sorry for cutting you off again I had all those same issues as a kid where there wasn't the effort to try to include me in black spaces and stuff because like that just back then that wasn't like the thought process
2: yeah and like I
0: also grew up poor so like when you grow up like in the okay. projects and stuff, it's 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 it, 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 it's a little different. But I I I went because I was in special ed. There weren't a okay. lot of kids who looked like me. I grew up mm-hmm. like I said in the projects, so I was surrounded by people who look like me, but they didn't act like me. I never fit in because yeah. I acted weird. Even to this day, if I'm like in the hood, like if I hang out with people, like I have friends who live in the hood. I people <laughs> I always get some asshole comes up to me is like, "Yo, you a cop?" First off. Why the hell would I tell you if I was a cop?
2: But like I just get like
0: offended by that. And so I always so so I I definitely understand that. And I would say don't worry about that because Mm -hmm. at some point he will start to connect with as long as Mm -hmm. you're nurturing and you're not telling him stuff like you're not black. And like actively right. <laughs> trying to erase the blackness from him, which some yeah. families, some biracial and some adopted families do try to do. They try to, or I'm sure you notice they do try to erase <laughs> like the culture they're from to make them more their own. I know you're not doing <laughs> that. So as long as you're not <laughs> doing that, that's going to be fine. But my the second part of my question is, yeah. and I'm sorry yeah. for getting <laughs> kind of dark on these last two questions is, as a black as a black autistic kid, do you have any concerns about? because obviously, and there's just no nice way to put it, being a Black mm-hmm. autistic is different because certain things like stimming, like, for example, I have to make sure mm-hmm. my stims, I do have stims, are socially acceptable. And mm-hmm. I don't have meltdowns, outwardly meltdowns in public, because then some Karen mm-hmm. might call the cops and some cop mm-hmm. might fear for their lives. Yeah. And then something mm-hmm. bad might happen to me, and then half the country is going to post, they're going to find the most ghetto picture they can find of me, and half the country is going to call me a thug. yeah, mm-hmm. So... Do you have, and I'm, you probably do, because of you answer your first question. Any concerns over that, like some of the unfortunate dangers of being a black boy in America and being a black disabled boy who doesn't mm-hmm. present normally? Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm not the person to answer this. The black autistic person, parent. No, you're you're person actually person a great this. person yeah. to answer
0: this because you okay. do understand. You're a great person. You give yourself some credit. You're a so. great person to yeah. answer. This.
2: <laughs> Thank you, Tora. And, um, and, I, and I do want to say that one of the plans, which might answer this too, is that we want to find, and I'm going to reach out to you, um, black autistic mentors mm-hmm. to hang out with him in New York. So mm-hmm. that is on my list, mm-hmm. because if we can't take him to church, if we can't do these other things, what I want is for him to have Disabled and specifically autistic Black folks that are just around him, mm-hmm. and um, so that is very high on my list, which is why I'm going to reach out to you later, um, <laughs> even though he's only three. But I just want to make sure that's part of what he. No,
0: that's is no, that's important, especially for adopted kids. I've heard. I don't know anything about. I don't know that much about yeah. adoption, but yeah. I do know that's kind of important to have people yeah. who look like them around them.
2: Yeah, which yeah. I guess makes yeah. sense if you think yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, especially the autistic part mm-hmm. of it as well. But I think that goes into the second part which is there is, you know, who can help. <laughs> this is the intersectionality, right? It's like I can't sit down and give him the police talk in a in a way um that maybe someone could with another mm-hmm. um uh, three year oh, sure, old or five year old. Oh, sure, right? it sure, it you can. Look different. sure, you
0: can My dad gave me the police talk. Yeah. Basically, he told me, It's like you, Tor. remember that time I strip tackled a police officer in front of you because that happened? He liked uh-huh. to strip, like, bump because I was having a meltdown. Police officer grabbed me, so he tackled him to the right. ground. And his and the police officer's partner came over and, like, had his hand on his gum to draw the gun. And he was like calmly, while he was like, my dad was just grounding and pounding the shit out of this cop. His partner was standing over my dad going, sir, I need you to stop doing that. Otherwise, we're going to have to arrest you. And I'm watching all this. And afterwards, he says, so Tony, you saw that happen. You can't do any of that shit. If you do that, they'll just shoot you. You saw how they like, took you and grabbed you and yeah. threw you into that room. Like, right, you right. can't trust the yeah. police. A lot of them are racist. You got to be right. on your P's and Q's. Mm-hmm don't trust the cops
2: totally
0: give that yeah. you can totally give that message to the non-black person yeah.
2: oh yeah it's and gonna piss you off though i'm going.
0: gonna tell you that right now it's yeah. gonna it's gonna piss you off because the, the the just the unfairness of it is just mm. it, it, it it will hit you it will hit you pretty hard yeah. i've heard that
2: yeah yeah and and we can once he's like old enough to be yeah. able to understand that but yeah right now but yeah i think and it, this is what i say hesitantly so I please any listener or Stacey or, you know, feel free to respond back, but we're trying to balance what it looks like for him to live a life that is free, Mm -hmm. which I guess is what every black parent is doing Mm -hmm. no matter what, disabled or not, but a life that is free and a life that is safe. Mm -hmm. And how do we balance those two things? Mm -hmm. And at this point, he's only three, my hope, and I don't know if this is going to pan out this way Is we're really focused on communication, which Mm -hmm. is Stacey, how you know about the blog and everything. Because my really strong hope is that he hits a point, maybe when he's six, maybe when he's seven, you know, and until then we're always with him, so it's okay, where he can start to make somewhat informed choices. So Mm -hmm. if we're saying, we need to, you know, you need to learn how to not still. More stim in a socially acceptable way because of police. I'd rather him do it in a way where he understands that's what's going on mm-hmm. than us doing it at three years old. Oh, you yeah, are like course. we're just doing it to him. Oh yeah, okay, I was I so, was I wasn't I think, saying yeah. tell
0: him do all this stuff now. I was just saying oh, yeah. in the future. Yeah, and yeah. And, and Claire, yeah. you answer my point. Claire, you are thinking of this, and I'm glad yeah. you mentioned communication yeah. because Stacey's always saying all the <clears> intersectionality <throat> stuff we're talking about is great, but I need parents to understand. If there is not a way of communication, Mm -hmm. that is job number one. You have to establish some form Mm -hmm. of communication, be it verbal, sign language, Mm -hmm. AAC, whatever. Some form of clear communication that you and that you both you all can understand. Cause you don't have that, throw everything else out the Mm -hmm. window. Because none of that stuff's gonna work. All Mm -hmm. that stuff maps onto communication. That is Stacy talks about all the time, and I can't state I can't state this enough that is the most important thing and you're doing that and you mentioned Mm -hmm. that you worry because 99% of people tell you to do things wrong which I'm sure a lot of parents feel the exact same way this is just Mm -hmm. you're just just rattling Mm -hmm. off these great statements in in Mm -hmm. this podcast but I'm telling you you're not you're doing a lot Mm -hmm. of things right Mm -hmm. and give yourself more credit because you're working in some nuanced and complicated situations with like things like multiple identities, for example, living in a city in a big bustling city that's like set can be mm-hmm. sensory hell, for example. And mm-hmm. you're doing, I would argue, based on what you're telling me about, as good of a job as someone can do. Like just straight up. That's why we wanted you on, because mm-hmm. you're showing that you can get it done
1: despite mm-hmm. the challenges.
0: Mm-hmm. You just have and, to be thoughtful and mm-hmm. empathetic.
1: And I, you know, I have lots of families that come to me from all over the world who don't all have access to stuff um, or therapy or school. And, you know, I tell every parent, because, you know, parents always say, oh, you know, Stacey, what was the one, you know, program? What was the one curriculum? What was the Mm -hmm. one, you know, what was the one? And I say, the one is the parents parents have so much power. You have so much power. You just have to educate yourself and, 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 and take the time to understand your child, your child, your child, um, Mm -hmm. take in information from others, throw out what you need, keep what you need, keep what you want, throw out what you don't want. And I, I think that, you know, your story and will help parents to know that it's okay to live in your own decision, even if it's different from what everyone else is doing, um, you know, I'm okay mm-hmm. with that. But I'm always the duck going in a different direction, and I didn't even know. <laughs> everyone, I didn't even know there were other ducks going the other way. That's just how much Stacey's going in another mm-hmm, direction. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to call it Stacey's world. I'm like, oh, I'm just in Stacey's world um, because I'm just <laughs> uh, with my own uh, direction of what. But I do think that, and and I'm sure that you can relate to this doing, you know, just social justice work it's usually a small group of people making a lot of noise that can make the difference. And then we try to get more people to join us. Right. Mm -hmm. So we can really make an impact. Um, and so, you know, if you're the one parent in the school that's doing it differently, but your kid is thriving, do what you need to do for your kid because it's not about Mm -hmm. the other people and, um, you know, just, just get to know your kids that's what i always tell parents just look at your child just look at them right um i I had a a really interesting conversation with a a dad um in uh, ghana and he called me today because they have a therapist on board and he sent me video and he wanted to know what I thought. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've learned to be very careful as I've gotten <laughs> older and more mature, because I have to realize that everyone doesn't get access to the same training and education, right? right. And everyone mm-hmm. is, is still um, coming from a different journey. And so I have to carefully, you know, you know, oh my gosh, I can't believe they're doing that. But there were a couple of things that, you know, I was just like, oh, you know, like the hand over hand for building blocks is really not necessary. But Mm -hmm. the dad said to me, he said, well, so with, I understand what you're saying, but you know, if I tell him to, to build the Legos, he won't do it. And I said, Mm -hmm. so why is it necessary for him to build Legos? What is that? Mm -hmm. Why is that? What, let him do something else. What does he want to do? Right. And so Mm -hmm. that, that, that parent needed a, a different, a nudge to think about, just look at your child. Don't look at the checklist of what you think he should be doing.
0: Look mm-hmm. at your child. Like
1: what, you know, and so that is what I feel like you mm-hmm. are doing. You're looking at your child and you're, yeah. you're guiding your decisions based on your child. And yes, your family, yeah. of course, because that's part of it. Um, and so tell us the name of your, your, your blog.
2: Okay. <laughs> yes, I will tell you the name, and then if there's time, I just want to tell you about our therapy because I realize yes. that's what I want other parents to know. Yes, yes. In terms so we of like, all the you don't have time in the world, really
0: this, this, this world. is your platform. Okay. We got all the time. Plug plug the shit okay. out of all your stuff.
2: <laughs> okay, I'm gonna say the my favorite, I'm gonna say the name of the blog because it relates ever, to everything you were asking me, Torin. The name of the blog is the North Star and the Compass. It's a line from um, a song by Our Native Daughters, which I'm going to see tonight live. Anyway, very excited. But it's a line from um, a song, and I won't... There's a lot of... The person who wrote the song, Allison Russell, has very similar intersectional identities. Um, not, not autistic, though. But um, to me, the reason that line feels so important and makes me really emotional is that I... We realized that my son, with all of his identities, especially being autistic, he needs to be the one that defines where he's going. That's the North Star. It's not us that's defining building Legos. It's him defining whatever the hell he's defining. I don't know what it is right now. It's Mm -hmm. slamming doors and running around because he's three. And he also is his own compass. Mm -hmm. So not only is he telling us where he needs to go, he's also telling us, what path he's taking to get there. And we've seen it so much on the AAC device. We've seen it in so many ways where all of a sudden we're really surprised. I'll give like a simple example that I always say. He He, If you did a checklist evaluation, you would say he doesn't categorize things. He doesn't put all the animals in one Uh, pile or point uh, to the animals. So if you were an evaluator, you would say he doesn't know how to do that. mm -hmm. There's this example that I wrote about on the blog where this summer he was cycling through different this is not an ac but we've seen him do it on the ac too he was cycling through different objects which he does so like you know for these two days he's really into the shoe insole for these other two days he's really into this like spoon he found you know whatever like Mm -hmm. thing and then we realized that every object that he's into is light blue Ah. and that he around the same time was really into saying the word blue with his mouth he doesn't say a lot of mouth words, but he gets very obsessed with specific mouth words. Mm-hmm. So we were like, wait a second. He's been saying blue. And every day he's been obsessed with a different blue object. This is not a coincidence. Nope. He clearly is categorizing colors, mm-hmm. but not in a way that an evaluator uh-huh. would say, okay, he's categorizing colors. And to me, that was him finding his own compass. Mm-hmm. He was like, this is how I'm doing it. I'm going to do it, you know, in this way. So that's where the blog name comes from. And I think my blog is a mishmash of random things, but it was supposed to primarily be about AAC because mm-hmm. I think this is an area where I think we, with the help of our speech therapist and a certain community of speech therapists, are actually really ahead of the curve mm-hmm. in experimenting, which is how do you use AAC devices with a gestalt processor, mm-hmm. which I won't go into for a kid that is as young as he is. Mm-hmm. And I think there's very few people doing it. And we started it without a speech therapist. We now have an incredible speech therapist. So I wanted to share this because I felt like these lessons were important for other parents and speech mm-hmm. therapists. Um But the thing that I wanted to mention, which I think is related, but I think this is this is the thing I want to say to other parents. If you make this choice, you're not alone. So we do have what I think would be categorized as a kid with high support needs you know, if on an eval, I would mm-hmm. say on a typical neurotypical evaluation, he rates very low. Um, so, you know, in the school setting, he would be considered someone who needs a very segregated school setting. We don't have him in that school setting, but that's where he would get put. Mm-hmm. So just to give you a sense, I'm not trying to give him a deficit model, but just to mm-hmm. give your listeners in case they're like, mm-hmm. but my kid is high support needs. I'm like my kid too. Okay. Right. Yes. <laughs> my kid too. Mm-hmm. We, this is the amount of therapy we have. We have, One half hour virtual parent coaching speech therapy session. So it's Mm -hmm. virtual. The speech therapist works exclusively with us, not with our son. We actually have two technically on the books in case the department of ed's listening, but we don't always use the second one. Okay, so we have that. We haven't had OT for a few months, but we're finally going to do OT, but we're again going to be doing one half hour virtual parent coaching OT session a week, Mm -hmm. we could not find an OT that was values aligned that would come to our house. And we learned the hard way, after firing several therapists, that It is better to have no therapist yes. than a therapist that's not value aligned yes, exactly. Thank you so <laughs> yeah. much. Yes, we just had we, had we had a speech therapist who like saw our kids spinning and then told us that we should stop him from spinning. And we're like, Hey, get the fuck out of my speech house, therapist. Yeah, B. we too, we were like, Yeah, we love spinning anyway, even if it was not a stim. I'm like, I love spinning until I was like 10 years old. I don't, you know, anyway, so we learned that. So we finally, just because getting anywhere, as you know, Thorin is really hard for us. We don't have a car either. Um, so we're doing virtual. And that's it. That is literally all the therapy we have mm-hmm. for our son. And that's where I will say, I'm to be honest, sometimes I worry I'm making a mistake. But number one, I don't know how other parents handle more therapy than that. Mm-hmm. That is I like, know. our schedules are full. Between that and school three days a week and mm-hmm. wanting to sleep and eat And like Mm -hmm. every once in a while have like a babysitter we're like that's our basically our whole lives right there yeah like literally how can you fit in more therapy but um and it works for us because this is the part that does not work for all families but in Mm -hmm. our case we are with our son a lot my partner is the primary caregiver so he's with our son all the time Mm -hmm. which again i know not not every parent can do that so it really actually helps because everything is integrated the lessons from speech therapy and the lessons from ot get integrated into our Mm -hmm. daily lives it's not just a thing where he goes like for half an hour Mm -hmm. so our modeling of the aac device is happening constantly like when we're Mm -hmm. outside when we're inside everywhere because we're being taught as the parents what needs to happen um and and yeah, and it feels more seamless instead of like an exercise. It's not like here's a half hour exercise. And I would say at least for my son, and again, I know every kid is different. <clears throat> he has such a hard time adjusting to other people, like a really, really hard time. So um, the I just spoke to the OT who's going to become our virtual OT, and she agreed uh, that this approach because she was like for kids that have a really hard time adjusting to other people your therapy sessions end up just becoming um oh uh, uh oh i'm sorry that your therapy sessions end up just becoming a session of teaching your kid how to adjust to another person instead mm-hmm. of actually the therapy yeah. so even the ot was like i think this will be a better model mm-hmm. because your son is high support needs mm-hmm. but what i've noticed that the medical model keeps telling us is they're like because these high support needs he needs 40 to 60 hours a week away from you getting therapy. And I'm like, that seems like the opposite of what we should be doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I do want to say that because I feel like it's really rare. And I do hear from parents that are like, my kid needs mm-hmm. 30 hours a week of mm-hmm. therapy. Maybe that other kid who plays in a typical way who communicates in a typical manner maybe they don't need as much therapy but my kid needs therapy and mm-hmm. so I just want to like normalize the mm-hmm. fact that even even our kids don't yep. actually necessarily yeah. need so much therapy yes. and and that
1: is um you know the listeners out there who are um some of my families um that's what we do my families have minimal therapy or my families in other countries have no therapy. And I do parent coaching and Mm -hmm. I coach them and we integrate the strategies within the daily routine, not sit at the table, parents being the therapist it's ongoing. Yes. Yes. And that's what makes it, you know, like you said, that's seamless. That's what makes it um, easier for kids to thrive because their supports are in place all the time. And that um, mm-hmm. that really can make a difference. So um, yes, this is so exciting. Yeah. I'm so, I want everyone to rewind to the part where she talks about why she titled the North Star. And I want you to listen to that again um, because I <laughs> love that. I did not know that about the title and I'm glad that I was able mm. to hear it from you Um, because Mm -hmm. I love that he is his own North star and he gets to determine the direction of his life. And I am a mom of two Mm -hmm. boys and I am Mm -hmm. a firm believer in that. Um, you know, my children are not autistic. They are, um, I'm not sure what they are. What are they talking about?
0: (laughs) They're people.
1: They are my boys that I love Uh, dearly. And, uh, but I have always told them, you know, mommy is here to, give you the support you need to teach you the skills you need to go into the world. And, um, you know, if you wanted to sell t-shirts out of the back of a van, I don't really care. Whatever you do, as long as you treat people with kindness and do your part to contribute to society, I'm good, right? It's your life, just like I've chosen my life and the crazy life that I've chosen that does not go the other direction of the other ducks. And I actually remember one time saying, wow, I was watching some folks at work and I thought, you know, I wonder what it's like to just do things in the way that we're supposed to do them. And, you know, house and children and two dogs and and stay in the same place and stay in the same job and retire after 30 years.
0: And that whatever. sounds awful.
1: And I literally, literally <laughs> after I went through it, I looked at the persons that I was watching. And I was like, uh, no, I don't think that would be something I would want to do. It doesn't look like any fun at all for me. Yeah. So,
2: um,
1: And I don't even really think it's yeah. about fun. I think it's about taking the route that I've taken that my mother still struggles with because she doesn't understand it because it's not the typical route. Um, You know, you get to meet so many people and learn so many different things, like, you know, instead of the same 30 years in the same place with the same people doing the same thing in the same conversation. Oh, Taryn, that would drive me crazy. (laughs) Um, I wouldn't have met you all. So enough about, I don't even know what tangent I just went off of, but I'm so clearly, I'm having just a wonderful, wonderful time chatting with you. Um, Shuba, thank you so much for coming on. And I would love to um, bring you back on um, to give us some more insight on Um, the communication component, right. And how you are integrating that. Cause I think that is something that is, um, you know, beneficial, but also exciting to talk about as a parent to, to share. Um, So Torin, any, any last questions, comments?
0: Not really. I just want to reiterate what Stacey said. I really appreciate you coming on and that was great. And we would love to have you come back on. Um, I will definitely reach out to you. I just want to let you know that like, My speed of reaching out to people is the equivalent of the joy's postal service. So we're talking probably three (laughs) to six months after whenever I'm supposed to actually send that email.
2: Perfect. (laughs) But seriously, we'd
0: love to have you back on because there's so many, so much stuff. You're such a wealth of knowledge that we'd love to talk about. I definitely would personally would want to go i always want to go into more like intersectionality and stuff like that i have to sort of rein mm-hmm. it back because i want to make sure that everything's applicable to like parents even though that's like mm-hmm. my thing because i guess that's that's i i live that stuff but mm-hmm. you just mm-hmm. you have such a wealth now and you just do so many things correct and you do it in such a humble manner too that i think mm-hmm. you could be a lot of help to a lot of parents because a lot of parents you're relatable now you're doing things mm-hmm. right but you're relatable because mm-hmm. a lot of parents feel the same way. So uh, 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 enough of this mm-hmm. stuff. Thank you. Do you have any final thoughts before we wrap this up? No, I blog. don't think
2: so. Read much. the blog. Read the blog. Yeah, if, if, it, if it inspires you, read the and blog. And all, all of and... it's
0: going to be, all yeah. of it's gonna be in, in, in the links for all of this stuff going to be in the description. Thank you very much. And Stacey, mm-hmm. that's why we're working to...
1: Shift the narrative on everything autism. And thank you for joining us to help
2: shift that narrative. Thank you so much, both of you. See ya. Have a great day.